0: This afternoon we'll deal with Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 7. And then we'll also read in connection with that, Article 22, Belgic Confession. First of all, Lord's Day 7, where we confess from the Word of God the following... Are all men then saved by Christ? Just as they perished through Adam? No. Only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others but also to me... God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What, then, must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? And then follow the... 12 Articles of Faith, as you heard them near the beginning of the service earlier on. And then we'll read together also Article 22 of the Belgic Confession, page 509 in the Book of Praise, page 509, Article 22, our justification through faith in Christ. We believe that in order that we may obtain the true knowledge of this great mystery, The Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith. This faith embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, makes him our own, and does not seek anything besides him. For it must necessarily follow either that all we need for our salvation is not in Jesus Christ, or, if it is all in him, that one who has Jesus Christ through faith has complete salvation. It is therefore a terrible blasphemy to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something else is needed besides him, for the conclusion would then be that Christ is only half a Savior. Therefore, we rightly say with Paul that we are justified by faith apart from observing the law. Meanwhile, strictly speaking, we do not mean that faith as such justifies us, for faith is only the instrument by which we embrace Christ, our righteousness. He imputes to us all his merits and as many holy works as he has done for us and in our place. Therefore, Jesus Christ is our righteousness and faith is the instrument that keeps us with him in the communion of all his benefits. When those benefits have become ours, they are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. So far, our confessions. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and boys and girls belonging to the Lord. You all know how important faith is then. Jesus said, whoever believes in me is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. John 3. So that, that emphasizes also then the, the huge importance of faith. That's a life question. A life and death question. But what is true faith? Lots of people who claim to have faith. People who say they believe, but who believe more on the basis of their reason than on the basis of the Bible and a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Faith to them is basically maybe even just a matter of, of accepting what the church teaches. It's almost as if the church can believe for them. In the Middle Ages it was called charcoal burners faith. Charcoal burners were people who, who couldn't read. And someone went to ask them, what do you believe? And they said, we believe what the church believes. And then it was asked, what does the church believe? And then it was said, the church believes what we believe. And that was the extent of their faith. Just outwardly holding to what the church and other people hold to. On the other hand, there are others who figure faith is basically all about your feeling not interested in doctrines, confessions, forms, and things like that. Just in feeling God's presence, experiencing God, God's nearness. It put the, all the emphasis on spiritual experiences. And that's fine, it, it gives you confidence in faith if you have lots of good experiences, but if it's only based on experience, what if... You don't feel that close to God and suddenly you doubt your faith and yes and it's a big problem so it's important for us to consider that first question of Lord's Day 7 what is true faith that that's that question of Lord's Day 7 what is true faith true faith gives us Christ but what is true faith a very important question how do we know that we really believe that we have true faith through which we will be saved. Do You ever ask yourself that? How do I know I believe? Well, with that in mind, I preach to you that true faith is embracing Christ as your Savior with three things connected with that. Open heart, open ear, and open mouth. Those three things belong with that true faith that embraces Christ. Open heart, open ear, and open mouth. First of all, open heart. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, I mentioned true faith is embracing Christ as your Savior, and you recognize that expression from Article 22 of the Belgic Confession, and from that expression you realize that faith isn't just about learning and understanding a bunch of doctrines. It's, it's giving yourself over to a person and seeking nothing outside of him. It's, it's a love relationship. Surrendering yourself to Christ who has promised to save you. That's what embracing is about. And it's not only about embracing in love, It's actually about embracing, we could say, in desperation even. Clinging to somebody who has come to save you from a very distressing and life-threatening situation. Like if somebody is trapped in a mine cave-in, deep underground, without food or water, unable to do anything to save themselves. When a rescuer breaks through the blockage in that mine, that person, I'm sure, would step up to his Savior, embrace him and cling to him. Take me out of here. And doesn't want to let him go. In fact, we know from people who have saved drowning people that they cling to them and sometimes threaten to also draw them down. That's the kind of picture we get from the section of Hebrews 10, which we read together earlier on in that passage. The writer reminds us of what Jesus has done to save us from everlasting death. And in verse 20, it says that Jesus opened the way to God for us through the veil. Consecrated, it says, but it means opened. Opened the way to God for us through the veil that is His flesh. With those words, the writer again thinks of the veil a curtain in the temple and later or earlier in the tabernacle that shut off the entry into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, where he was enthroned among his people. And That curtain was to remind people that their sins had made a separation between God and them. And those sins hung there between them, they were they hung there like a great heavy curtain between the people and the God of life. Those sins were the elephant in the room, so to speak. We were like people trapped in a mine, cut off from God because of this great rock of sin that had fallen between us and Him, blocked the way to life and light with God. But then Christ the high priest who is superior to Aaron because he is priest forever took our sins on himself completely so that he, so that his flesh became sin. And he sacrificed himself and so by means of his flesh removed what separated us from God. So by that sacrifice of his flesh, his body, he opened this new and everlasting way for us to God. By His death in the flesh, that veil was torn in two, the way was open to reconciliation and life eternal with God. And to use that mind metaphor again, Christ by His death on the cross blew up the great rock that prevented us from coming to the light and the life. Opened, For us, again, the way out of death to God. And what is true faith then, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? Well, it's that we don't just retreat, that we don't retreat farther and farther into the darkness of that mine shaft, but that we see Christ as our Savior, embrace Him, cling to Him, Seek nothing outside of him in that darkness and follow him towards that light, towards life and joy. There there may be people who have become so used to life without God, to that darkness, they don't even realize anymore how great the darkness is that they're in. And then they hold back and then they stay in that darkness, in that dark shaft. They choose darkness over darkness Light and life. But we we know better, don't we? Our Savior comes to us as light in the awful darkness. And we embrace Him, right? Here He comes, like in the dark shaft broke through for us, comes with a flashlight, large light, and we see Him coming and we cling to Him. Follow him where he leads us away from that darkness because we realize he is our Savior come to bring us back to life. That's what faith is, that embracing. That embracing to to, to lack faith is to hold back in the dark. You think you'd rather be here in the dark. But you wouldn't do that, would you? Maybe there are people who think that they're too sinful or they're not worthy enough or who think might not just be for them. But Christ has taken away what separates his people from the light and life there is with God, his covenant people. And he reaches out his saving hand to you in that pit. He reaches out his hand to you in word and sacrament Here. Would you then refuse his hand? Wouldn't you rather embrace him, grab it, embrace him, and follow him? You know your situation, and you have confidence in your Savior that he can lead you to life. See, it's with that in mind that the writer of the letter to the Hebrews also writes Hebrews 10, verse 22. He writes there, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See that at our baptism Christ says to us I know you're guilty of sins from birth already separated from life in the presence of God in yourself but I'm telling you here now I've removed that sin removed what separates you from God So now, grab my hand, embrace me, and come out of that pit. Follow me. And see, that's how we can then draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance, in faith. Through embracing, following Jesus Christ. With him, we can go to the Father. So faith is letting yourself be taken by Christ to God the Father. Letting Him take you to the abundant life there is with God the Father. It's then both a matter of knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Seeing the light in Him. And at the same time, personally entrusting yourself completely to Him as the one who leads you out of the dark, will lead you out of the darkness, out of the pit of your sins. And not seeking anyone else. It's placing your life and lot in his hands. Following him wherever he goes. Not just once, every day again. It's also falling into his arms as your Savior every time you fall back into that dark pit of sin again. Every time there's that danger that you're going to turn away again. Like Israel wanted to turn back to Egypt again every time. Faith is embracing Christ, following Him out of the pit of sin and guilt every time again, day after day. So I hope you see then why I say that true faith means open heart. An open heart. In order to embrace Christ as your Savior, your heart has to be opened by the gospel of His love and sacrifice. True faith is not just a matter of knowledge in the head. That's, that's important. But it's especially also then, via that, a matter of confidence in your Savior, in your heart. He's the one who will lead me out of this hole. Out of this pit. And not seeking anything besides him. Embracing him in your heart because you know you can't live for a day without him. He is the only one. And because you hold him in your heart, you're not afraid of life anymore, even if it gets difficult, because you're confident he's leading you to life and light. He has opened that way for you. And you're actually not even afraid of death anymore either, because you know that when you are taken out of this life, you're going to be welcomed into the brightest and holiest place in heaven with God because of Christ how do we come to embrace Christ in our hearts like that well that brings us to the second thing open ear brothers and sisters how do we come to embrace our Savior in our hearts we don't see him how could we have a living personal relationship with somebody we don't see Can you embrace somebody you can't see, you've never seen, and whose existence we sometimes even question sometimes? Well, there are people who say that this personal relationship is something that has to be given to you. You can't do anything about about it yourself. Faith has to be given to you by the Holy Spirit, and you just have to wait and see if he's going to work that in your heart or not. If you're elect, he'll work it in you. If you're not, nothing you can do about it. Now, it's completely true that faith is worked in the hearts of people by the Holy Spirit. That is true. It's true that love for the Lord and desire to follow Him is, 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 is God's work. Acts sixteen fourteen, it says that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to the message Paul preached and to embrace her Savior in faith. The Lord did it. But He did it via the message. So it's true that God the Holy Spirit doesn't open everyone's heart to embrace the Savior. Not everybody is saved in Christ as they perished in Adam. And it isn't so that Jesus died for everyone to give everybody a chance to be saved as such. In other words, it isn't so that Jesus holds out his hand to every human being so that it depends on their will whether they're going to be saved or not. No, the Bible speaks of election and reprobation. Christ died for his elect. And the Holy Spirit has to work faith in the hearts of His elect so that they also accept what He did for them. And I'm not going to go into that in detail, but that's what we confess in the Canons of Dort. But does that doctrine of God's gracious election mean that we now have to anxiously wait and see if the Holy Spirit is someday going to come to us and open our hearts? Not at all, congregation. The Spirit has already come to you and still comes to you. And he's doing that as with Lydia via the message of the gospel. Via the proclamation of the gospel. And that's why Lord's Day 7 says too, this faith the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. The Spirit of Christ personally inspired the Bible in order to personally call us, through that, to Christ. To, pr- to open our hearts personally. Every time we're seriously busy with the Word, every time we listen to the Word proclaimed in worship, Christ is holding out His hand to us in worship. He's shining the light for us again. It isn't so that the Spirit only worked when He inspired men to write the Word but the Spirit still uses the same words to speak to us today. Look what it says just before the part of the Bible we read before from Hebrews 10, Hebrews ten fifteen. It says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, etc. So he's quoting from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah, and the Holy Spirit, it says here, still speaks to us personally, today, through even the words he inspired long ago. And you see, every time the gospel is opened, Christ himself comes to us, reaches out his arms to us, shines his light for us sinners, and that's how, by his Spirit, he opens the hearts of people, by letting them hear the gospel of his salvation from the pit of sin and death. And that's why true faith also means an open ear. To listen to the gospel, we need to hear the gospel. Then the Spirit also opens our hearts. So we are to make ourselves available to His opening of our hearts through the gospel, opening our ears to the the gospel. And that means we have to be in Christ's church. We need to be where the gospel is proclaimed. And we have to open the the word ourselves. First of all, the proclamation of the word. In that section of Hebrews we read, the inspired writer urges the readers to attend the worship services in church. Verse 25, he writes there, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another to be there in the assembly, in the worship. It's in our worship together that Christ comes to us as Savior in particular, shines His light for us to follow Him. And we need to be there with open ears. But not only should we be in the worship services, those couple of hours with God's Word in church services on Sundays shouldn't be all that we have to do with the word in in the week. In all the hours of a week, we we should be busy with God's word, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Open ears for God's word on an ongoing basis. We touched on that this morning. Listening to it, read, reading it, meditating, discussing, have open ears for the saving call of our Savior. So. We don't stay in the darkness of the pit, that but we go to Him, embrace Him, who is the light and the life. And then we should never be so foolish as to think we know enough about the Bible, and that we don't need to interact with it much anymore. I know what's in it. No, that's where the problems with faith start. That's where it begins. If you're an itinerant or inattentive worshiper on Sundays or you hardly ever open the Bible yourself, you're eventually becoming estranged from the joy of the gospel and it ends up being dry and boring and you can't understand it and you can't concentrate on it and that's because you don't experience Christ himself in it anymore. You become estranged from him. You don't see that light anymore. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, young people, the more you have open ears for the gospel, the closer the Holy Spirit draws you to Christ through that. And then you can really embrace him in your hearts. And then he takes you out of the darkness into his glorious light. Time and again you see that happening. The opening of the heart by the Spirit comes via the opening of our ears to the word. And what results then is also the opening of the mouth. And that was the last part of this sermon. Congregation, open ears lead to opening of the heart and it brings to opening of the mouth. Faith, heartfelt faith, becomes praise and confession with the mouth. As the Apostle Paul writes, Romans 10, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness... And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Confession, in the first place. That's a a summary of the gospel. We have a number of those confessions, as you know, throughout church history. The truth of the Bible has been digested and expressed in statements of faith over against those who wanted to undermine that. And confessions are our response then to the gospel of Christ in the first place. For instance, Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of faith in our hearts is thanking and praising God for Christ, confessing his word in our own words. And confessing, then, is also something we do together. We don't embrace Christ as Savior just as individuals. We do that together as church, as body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Him. He doesn't just want to save individuals here and there and all over. He wants to save a people together, His body, His bride. But then we need to speak in the same terms about the same Savior, We need to sing praise to Him together. Also confess Him together. That's how we glorify Him. That's how we encourage each other to continue in Him. Psalms, hymns, and also confessions are important for the unity of faith. This is why Lord's Day 7 also speaks about our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith when it talks about a confession. Catholic means universal. We all believe the same, undoubted. We're all convinced of this statement of faith. We all agree that this is the truth. So confessing what we believe from the Bible is important activity, congregation. It's to God's praise to be able to hear or say or sing the creed. And to know the other confessions. And for young people to know their catechism. For confessions express unity of faith with each other and other believers in other places. Unity of Christians who were before us. And those confessions help to protect from all kinds of strange teachings which can lead away from embracing Christ as our Savior. Confessions are a means by which we focus on Christ and hold on to each other as we do that. The important thing though is that their expression of love for Christ and joy in his salvation. When we confess our faith together, when we praise the Lord in church together and therefore if we have a hard time with our faith, if we have doubts or we wonder if our faith is real, we also need to read and meditate on our confessions, sing the confession together, praise God together in church. It's true that the songs we sing and And our confessions are all quite old. There's some people who say they're all outdated. Not relevant anymore to today's issues. Maybe there will come a time when an additional confession of faith is needed. But Jesus Christ, as it says, Hebrews 13, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so the faith with which believers embrace him is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. We could say our faith in Christ is the same as Abraham's faith or Adam's faith. So let's keep our ears open for the word, not just on Sundays, but every day. Let's pray for open hearts and with which we embrace Christ as our Savior and Lord. And then let's open our mouths in confession and praise of him too as he makes himself known in the gospel. And then congregation will have true faith, be following Christ out of that dark pit and into the light of everlasting life with God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that you will Give us faith, true faith, which means open hearts through open ears which bring to open mouths which confess and praise you. Give us that faith, Father, by the working of your Spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.